You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, we have two choices for our sermon this morning. I think on the one hand, we could either uh, preach concerning the Holy Trinity, of the unity of the Godhead, and the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Or we could speak about holy baptism, which is the theme of the gospel lesson this morning. Now, I think that there is a way to synthesize these two themes, though I have to say that that sermon may have to wait for another ten years or so. (laughs) Indeed, Martin Luther himself said that to confess the Holy Trinity is to confess that I am a sinner and that God loves me and he has forgiven me. But for our purposes this morning, let's just focus on the gospel lesson and what Jesus means by the words heavenly birth or birth from above, and that no man can either see nor enter his kingdom unless he has this heavenly birth. This is the very first lesson that Jesus teaches Nicodemus. He says that you cannot see. He says that you cannot enter God's kingdom unless you are born from above. Now, why did this Pharisee, this man of the law, come to Jesus in the first place? It looks like Nicodemus wants answers. Because from the look of it, Jesus is just another ordinary man. You can't look at his face and see something of it that tells you that this man is greater than other men or that he is different from other men. If you look at the band of disciples that gathered around Jesus, you could not look at them and say that these are extraordinary men, meant for extraordinary things. Instead, you would see a bunch of fishermen and a tax collector. Ordinary men. And yet, the Pharisees, even the Pharisees, could see that something was different. They saw it not by looking at Jesus in the face, or by looking at the vocations of his, the occupations of his followers, but by rather hearing the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth, these words that struck their ears, that had an authority that they never had when they spoke to the people. When Jesus spoke, it carried the weight. It carried the authority of God himself, such that the people marveled when they heard Jesus. Not only did they hear the words that came from Jesus' mouth, but they also saw the signs that accompanied his word. The Pharisees could see, just as much as anybody else, that Jesus had turned water into wine. That Jesus could heal the sick. That Jesus could cast out demons by his own authority. 
And so Nicodemus comes as one of the Pharisees, representing the Pharisees, and he asks, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now as, Jesus, now as Nicodemus starts up this conversation, you see that he is trying to establish, he's trying to make a foundation for the conversation, and it rests upon the knowledge of the Pharisees and the perceptiveness that we, Jesus, have been able to figure out something of who you are. We know something. But then Jesus appears to reject this foundation of knowledge and certainty and perceptiveness that Nicodemus and the rest of the Pharisees are claiming as their own. Because even as Nicodemus says, hey, we can see that you are somewhat different, that God is with you, and that you are a teacher come from God, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter, or rather, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's as if Jesus is saying, the signs are there for anyone to see. In fact, the word is preached so that everyone can hear. But that doesn't mean you can actually see what's going on. Just because you hear my word and try to understand it, just because you see the signs, that doesn't mean that you know who I am and where I have come from and what I intend to do. It's as if Jesus is saying, for that you need more than what your eyes born of human nature, can give you. And I think you, I think you also know this feeling, right? There are, there are plenty of times in life when you've seen something, and perhaps you've stumbled into a conversation, but you realize that you don't understand the first thing about what's going on. It's like, I don't know, trying to, to master the, the social subtleties of of high school or college on the very first day. <laughs> it can't be done. But at least with that example of like high school or college, you have some hope of mastering those ins and outs if you stick around long enough or if you pay attention. But Jesus isn't giving that kind of hope to the Pharisees. Jesus isn't allowing for time or experience or effort to gain the kingdom of God, to either see it or to enter it. Jesus is saying that it is out of your hands. It requires something given from heaven. It requires a new birth. And so Nicodemus admits as much. He says he doesn't understand. He can't. Because in this one sentence, Jesus has taken him to the limits of human knowledge and power, and Jesus crossed that threshold without ever looking back. And so all the Pharisee can do is to attempt to sort out Jesus' words by calling attention to what he sees as this glaring contradiction. He asks, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? If he was hoping for a way to sort all of this out by human reason... Jesus dashes this hope again because he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this is the point. What Jesus preaches and what every single one of his miracles points to is about something that that neither our eyes can see nor can our feet step through. To a Pharisee, a man who preaches and admonishes others to master God's law in one's mind and in one's actions. To a Pharisee, a man who thinks that God's kindness is won by works and merits according to the law. Jesus' words mean that their piety and their religion have come to an end. They cannot accomplish what they think it can accomplish. The law demands action. The law demands works. It requires something of you. But Jesus says, to see God's kingdom and to enter God's kingdom requires more than what the law could prod you to do. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Human nature, which is the nature that has been given us from our parents, it has supplied us with eyes to see and a mind to understand and hands to work. But this nature can neither see God nor do those works that God finds pleasing. The law requires your actions. The law requires obedience. But when you send your mind to it, when you set your hands to do the works of the law, to love your neighbor as yourself, to worship God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and mind, it comes up short. The Pharisees say that, no, that you can cross that threshold. But in fact, the law is there to show you that your actions and your understanding are never enough. And so St. Paul writes, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, it's it's not that our human nature is merely finite or not strong enough to do the things that God finds pleasing. It's that our human nature is also corrupted, it's sickened, and evil. Instead of reaching towards godliness, and instead of reaching towards service towards our neighbor, you know what the law actually teaches you that you have been running the other way. That every effort and attempt to serve your neighbor was secretly, within yourself, a service of pride. That you see your neighbor in need, and yet you turn and go the other way. That you know what God requires of you, of your heart and mind and strength and soul, and yet you refuse to give it to him. You run against him. 
You know what sin is, and you desire that instead. And so, of course, you cannot see. Of course, you cannot understand. Not without what the Holy Spirit supplies. This conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, indeed, this and every debate between Jesus and the Pharisees, it centers upon this one question. How how can a human being, how can a man stand before God? The Pharisees will contend that man has a dignity according to his nature, that he can do works according to that dignity to please God. But Jesus contends that our human nature has no such dignity. That in God's eyes, man is dead, even as if his body breathes, even as he respirates and, and grows, eats and drinks, that in God's eyes, he is certainly dead. He is dead unless he is born spiritually. David taught this same thing as Jesus, of course. In Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so against Scripture, the Pharisees stress man's actions to move toward God, but with the Holy Scriptures, with the testimony of the prophets that Jesus even sent before him, Jesus preaches that we are all children of wrath. And if we are to stand before God, it must be in God's hands alone. Which is good for us to remember. Because what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus isn't merely negative. It isn't merely attacking this man for his opinions about the law. If it was just attacking or or purely negative, Nicodemus would have no hope. And you and I, we would have no hope. No hope whatsoever. But what man lacks in his nature, and what man lacks according to his works, Jesus says that God is quick to supply, not because we deserve it, but by grace. Because he is kind. Because he loves us. And so Jesus assures us that we are not lost to our sins, we are not lost to our corruption, that there is indeed for us a birth from above, a birth from heaven, that comes by water and the Spirit, and that the Spirit works not where we want Him to work or where we choose Him to work or where we will Him to work, but the Spirit goes where He wishes, and that He wishes to be present and to give birth by being joined to water, by being in baptism. And so Jesus and his apostles teach, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and again, baptism Baptism now saves you. The Spirit works where the Spirit wills. 
and he wills to work and to be present among you who have been born of water and the Spirit, who have been born of water, united to the triune name of God. You can point to the place where it happens. You can see it. But unlike the Pharisees and others who live according to the law and choose to be righteous before God's throne by works of the law, you see the font in a different way, in a better way. You see it with faith. This is what Jesus is saying. Apart from faith in the kindness of God, apart from faith in the words that Jesus is speaking, a person cannot see God's kingdom. A person cannot enter God's kingdom. But you see it, and you have entered it. Because you believe. When you hear that that God loves you, when you hear that you are forgiven, when you trust that you have been baptized, that God has indeed given you the Holy Spirit as he has promised in baptism, you see the kingdom of heaven as if, as if it were right in front of your face, as if it were the clear of day and the sun was shining down from the center of the sky as it does at noon. That's how clearly you can see the kingdom of God. And that's why you're here today. Because you know that by these words of Jesus, and by this baptism, by this body and blood given and shed for us to eat and to drink, you are in God's kingdom. And you are dwelling with God in peace. And you are righteous before God. Not because you have done any works to make it that way. But because, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man was lifted up. You know that Jesus has taken your sins away from you. That in Jesus' kingdom, your guilt is washed away. That in this kingdom of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you have the hope of eternal life. Because Jesus has set your eyes on the proof that God loves you. The proof of his Son, who has suffered for your sins and the sins of the whole world. When we struggle to understand the mysteries of the faith, dear saints, when we struggle to understand how is, how is it even possible that God in love and kindness can, can look upon me, a sinner, and say, I love you and I forgive you, it, when we struggle to understand the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, as we confessed in the Athanasian Creed, when we struggle with those things that God keeps hidden from us and reserves for himself so that he could be worshipped, we don't rack our brains, nor do we run our hope aground on the rocks of doubt. Rather, we see what Jesus does to comfort Nicodemus. Jesus knows that Nicodemus doesn't understand 
So instead, he points him to the cross to fill up his faith. Just as the cross fills your faith. And by this faith that looks upon Jesus, you believe and you know that you are saved. May God the Father grant us his Holy Spirit to strengthen our faith so that we may always have the crucified Christ set before our hearts, that believing in him we, have, we may have eternal life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.